All right. Um, today we're we're gonna spend a few minutes just to t- answer these questions, and we like to just interact with each other on Sundays. And so, what is what is it that you want most in life right now? Is there something that you really are gunning for? You know, it could be um, school, it could be your job, it could be a girl, a guy. But what is it that you? really want right now. And if you don't have, maybe you just obtained something that you've wanted. And so it's kind of like, it's been really good. So you could share about that as well. And um, if you got it or when you got it, how content uh, did you or would you feel? All right. So we'll just give a few minutes of discussion and then I'll come back up. All right. Thanks for sharing, everyone. Really appreciate it. Man, there's so many, I remember just kind of going through this sermon and thinking about all the things I've wanted in life, and I had to start with the Game Boy. Oh my gosh, this was an amazing device. I remember the first kid at school that had it, everyone gathered around him. He, he basically was a superstar, I don't, you know, he was like, he was famous, and then, you know, he could choose his friends with this magical device by letting them play on it for two and a half minutes before he took it back. And so I was like begging my parents for a Game Boy, and I swore to them this would be the toy that ended all toys, you know? I'll never, ever want anything for the rest of my life if I could get this Game Boy. That's right. Game Boy Color was really good, too. Pogs, uh, if you guys are, you know, born in the 2000s, it's like these bottle caps that you put on the ground. It's like legalized elementary school gambling. It, It was phenomenal, right? We had like like little mafia and loan shark uh, systems going. But basically, you get these little uh, round like bottle caps. You put them on the ground on top of each other, one from you, one from your friend. And then you hit them with the slammer. And if you flip them, then they become yours, okay? And so, and then if you got like into the hardcore, you know, gambling arena, you, you start slamming on slammers, which are like a dollar each. And um, I remember my mom, I was like so into them. They were such a craze in like fifth grade. And I told my mom I really wanted to go to a Pog store, right? It's like right next to uh, Rite Aid. And she finally took me after school one day. And I remember I was shaking when I was walking into school. I started like, like, like shaking out of excitement. And my mom looked at me like, I'm going to take you home, <laughs> you know, like, and then to the hospital. Like, she was really concerned about my well-being. But I, I thought if I had the slammer collection that my friend had, I would be happy for the rest of my life. And I think that when you grow up, you have these things in front of you um, that, are, that, that, that are arm's length away, and you're like, man, if I just have this one thing, I'll be content. I'll be happy. I'll, I'll be set forever. And then as you grow older, those things are still there. They're just not necessarily purchasable, right? Uh, they become these larger aspirations and dreams. One, for me, one of them was just getting married and finding a girl that would tolerate me for the rest of her life. Look how happy she is. <laughs> she, she's never been that happy since. And um, I'm just kidding. And um, so this is our marriage day, and, you know, going through life, there's so many girls that I thought if I just was, could date her, I'd be happy forever, right? And I didn't want to put all their pictures up, because that's creepy. So Nina, um, we got married uh, three and a half years ago, and, um, and I thought, man, if I got married, I'd be happy for the rest of my life. 
And then the last thing actually is this church. Renew Church is something I've dreamt about since I was in fifth grade. And so I know some of you feel disconnected, but just imagine wanting to get into grad school or start a business or, you know, um, own a commune. This was my dream, okay, was to start a church. And I thought, man, if I could have a church, um, I would just be deeply satisfied if I could one day pastor and start a church. And I think that's how we perceive being content, that there's times where we're in need, or this straight out of the passage we'll be looking at, but there are the hard times and times where we don't have what we want, or we're, or we're still gunning for it. Jerry, could you put that chair down? It's very distracting. Um, or we're still gunning for it. And, and um, we, we swear in our hearts that Man, if I just got to the place I want to go, if I just obtained the thing that I've been longing for, whether it's a career or a perfect body or a dream, or a dream job or a dream home or uh, whatever it is, I'll be content for the rest of my life, right? When we're in the hard times, when we're in need or hungry or want, that's what we believe. And then I think that sometimes the more difficult times is when we actually obtain what we've always desired, when we get our hands around it. Because things just don't glisten the way they did before we had it in our hands. And I think the way we want to feel content, or the way we envisioned feeling content over the thing that, would be, that we would finally have, is never the same experience when we actually have it. Um, you know, I think that just even after being married and starting this church and feeling, feeling like those are things I've always wanted, there's still a sense of emptiness. There's still a sense of, of wanting. And it's like when I got that Game Boy, and I was really excited for like a few weeks and months, but then, you know, I got bored of games and then my friend got Game Boy Color, and then the Game Boy just sat in the closet, right? There's nothing that has really, um, I think there's probably nothing in your life that you've finally got a hold of and said, hey, this is it, for like a sustainable long period of time. And so usually we let go of it, and we kind of believe in something else. We run towards another goal. We find something else that we want. And I think as we get older, we push those things further because sometimes it's better just to believe that it will satisfy us than to actually have it. Well, Paul takes another perspective when he thinks about what it looks like to be content. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this through him who strengthens me. We're working through the book of Philippians. We're two weeks away from finishing and Paul, as you know, he's in a really terrible situation. 
He's writing about contentment, not from like a suburban home or like a family with two kids. He's writing from a prison cell. If there's any time where you should be discontent in life, it should be sitting behind bars in prison awaiting your execution, right? That's pretty, that's pretty crappy. But he's like, I have learned to be content in every situation. And so he, he says that it's not about the things around you. It's not about your circumstance. It's not about seeing and having a need in your life and satisfying and going through that cycle over and over again because contentment is not external, it's internal. And that's something that the kind of society had been playing with, this idea of what it meant to be content in, in, um, in their like kind of philosophy and conversation at the time. They had this high view of a person who can be content internally, that they would be unaffected by the situation around them. And Paul is saying that he's found the secret of being content. And not only in this intellectual capacity, but he's experienced contentment in the harshest of times and in the best of times. And he makes this uh, comparison, again, that he's, there's times where he was in need there's times where he's hungry. There's times where he's in want. And he's learned to be content in those times. And I think when I'm going through hard times and need hungry and in want, I have my contentment fixated on an object. I have my contentment fixated on this thing that will fulfill my need or my want or my hunger. But Paul's saying that his fixation isn't in something external, that he can actually be in that space and still be content, that there's a secret there. And then he says, in good times, he's content as well. And again, we talked about the elusiveness of contentment in the good times. And I think that's what's most frustrating, actually. Because when I'm in need and I'm discontent, I have a focal point. I know what I want. And I, and I can kind of set goals and get to it. I think what's more frustrating is to feel discontent when you have it. I, I think that's extremely frustrating, but we've probably all been there, where we have what we wanted. We, we bought the house. We got the career. We published our research paper. And there's this feeling of, like, happiness and ecstasy, but then it starts to deplete, and then whatever we have in our hands kind of feels like default again, right? I have friends who bought the best cars, but then it just becomes, you know, their everyday car, and everyone else is still gawking at them, but to them, it's just like, eh, this is just a car I drive every day. This is just a home I live in. Everyone just kind of mellows into this default mode of existence, even when they have what they most want in their hand. So Paul, he gives a different solution. You see, um, we just kind of react in that what we really need, what really is content, brings us contentment is outside of us. And then there, the philosophers at the time, and I would say our very common perspective is that, okay, maybe it's not external, maybe it's internal. And maybe internally it's just about me relying on myself for contentment. But Paul, of course, he turns and he says, it's about Jesus. 
It says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The reason why he's able to be content, the secret of finding contentment, he says it's not external. It's not getting what you want, but it's finding Jesus in your need and finding Jesus in your plenty. And I've I've tried to do this in my own life, and it's extremely difficult. And I, I would say it's probably more difficult now than it's ever been. I think why we don't feel satisfied is because we have such a difficult time sitting in our thirst and our longing. Like, the reason why we want certain things is because there's a desire that that thing can meet, right? The, the, the reason why we want this thing that's in our hand is because we feel like we could shove it in our heart and we would be satisfied. So for my wife, like, I really felt like one day when I got married, I wouldn't feel alone anymore, that I would always have someone next to me who understood me. But if you're married, you, under, you know that that's not true. You still feel alone. There's times where you just are disconnected and you value something and they value something else. There's other times where there's something in your heart that you just can't explain to another human, and so you just sit kind of quietly or you walk around the subject. There's times where you're physically apart. I do this really gross thing where, like, when Nina's away and I miss her, I'll go on her find my I'll go on find my iPhone and I'll look at her little dot wherever she is. It's kind of creeper, stocky-ish, I know. But I'll go like I'll look at this dot that's bleeping and I'll just feel I'll just like long for her. Like, oh, I can't be with her. I'm here on the map and she's there. It's disgusting, right? But like, yeah, I'm married and and we're still I'm still apart from her at times. Other times I feel disconnected. Other times I want to be away from her because we're pissed at each other. And, um, and so this thing that I thought would fulfill me, it, it still doesn't um, 100%. You know, I think about planting a church and there's all the godly reasons that I think are true. But then there's the selfish reasons that I think are true too. Like, um, I think planting a church has given me significance has given me a voice, has made me feel important. And I think that Renew can be that for me as well. And, and, I, and, and, and yet, like, it doesn't satisfy all of those places as well. So when you think about what you really want, what is it that you really want from what you really want? And are you willing to just kind of sit there and let that longing open up? Allow that thirst to grow and not just binge on Netflix, not just play games for hours on end, but just to feel the thirst. And you can feel this longing when you're in need because it's right in front of you. But if you look deep enough, you'll feel this longing even when you have the things you want to. And we're a generation who really is pain avoidant and we don't know how to just be with our need and our brokenness. But it's extremely valuable to feel the thirst and longing because need precedes grace. Thirst precedes living water. Hunger precedes the bread of life. And we hate being hungry and thirsty and in need. But what, what could it look like for you to sit back and say, it's not really this 
It's this. And I'm just going to let the thirst grow. I'm just going to fill it. You know, fasting is a spiritual discipline that I suck at, and I think we just never talk about because we, we probably all suck at it, right? We all get hangry. Like, if you want to see me punch someone, just don't feed me for a while. <laughs> like, but I think about fasting in this context, and I think there's some really immense value to it. Because what fasting is, is it's, is it's this physical manifestation of an internal reality. It's getting physically hungry, depriving yourself of food, so you become really hungry. And what you're saying is that this hunger isn't just physical, but I'm experiencing this physical hunger as a symbol of my spiritual hunger and thirst that only God can feel. And for me to experience this thirst and sit with it, I'm not going to eat as well. And I'm just going to come to God and say, I have a need, I have a thirst, and I'm feeling it physically so that I can also internalize this hunger, this pain, and say, God, it's only you who satisfies me. Are you willing to do that this week, to sit with it, not to numb it, not to set another goal, but to sit with it and to say, God, here I am, hungry, and I will continue to be hungry until you satisfy me because all these other things have left me empty. I don't want to set a new goal. I don't want to run after something else that's shiny and then hold it and realize it's dull like everything else. Or, or it has its limits. I want you. You know, when we become content in Jesus, we can give this great gift to our friends, our family, and our church, and our community, where we serve them, and it's not about us anymore. You know, I think about with Renew, right? Like, it could just be a church about me, I think, honestly speaking. Um, you know, I've come to... I've, I was just reflecting with a close friend. I'm like, man, I'm in a season where I have what I always thought I wanted. And there's still this discontentment. It's really frustrating. And if you're going through a hard time, you probably hate me right now, right? It's like, it's like that superstar that's like complaining a little bit, you know? Like, um, and you're just like, you have everything. And that's kind of how I feel. And then I still have this discontentment, this gap between what I have and being content. I feel this gap. And then I think what is so easy to do um, is to kind of stuff it and to say, well, maybe my goals just weren't big enough. Maybe we need this church at 300 or 500, and let's just gun for that, and then I'll be happy. Or in marriage, maybe I'd need to see Nina like 20 hours a day, and then I'll be happy. And just insert whatever it is that you find important. Your kids being more behaved or getting into the college you want them to, you getting a promotion, you getting a certain amount of money, or again, that girl or guy. And I think, though, this gap is a gap that God's created for all of us. And no matter what we have, he's meant for it to be there so that he can satisfy it. And when I allow God to be the one to allow me to not be alone, because he's with me and not my wife, then I can be with my wife and she's not about fulfilling my need anymore. That's a great gift. When I can find contentment in my significance with the Lord, um, and I don't have to find it with you guys, 
I can give you the gift of serving you and this church not being about me. When you find contentment in Jesus because, your need, because you've admitted your need and you've learned to sit with it and you're not willing to just numb it, you're not willing to just fulfill it with something else and you're saying only you, Jesus, only you, and he satisfies you, you get to give people an enormous gift where you are about them and you're not in need and you're not using people or objects to fulfill yourself. You know, that's what Paul says in his introduction. Thank you so much for caring about me. Thank you for sending one of your elders to care for my needs and these gifts. But at the end of the day, I'm really depending on Jesus. I'm thankful for you, but I don't need you. That's a pretty... I, don't, I wouldn't write that on my Mother's Day card, right? <laughs> like, I'm thankful for you, Mom, but I don't need you. But that's where Paul is. Everything about his satisfaction comes from God. The last thing is that when we're content with Jesus, in Jesus, we gain freedom to live out our purpose. And I think about how Paul found contentment in Jesus And because of that contentment, there was this immense freedom to travel, to risk his life, to share the gospel, to plant churches. He didn't have any, like, terms and conditions to following Jesus. And I think that when I reflect on my own life and I say, I need this to be happy, this actually is the God that I'm going to serve. Or I need this to follow Jesus. Jesus isn't God. It's really this. This is what I'm really worshiping. This is what I really want in life. But Paul, he said, no, I just need Jesus. And everything else I can do without. And it gave him this immense freedom. And I think we, we live in, again, a generation that wants that kind of freedom. We want to untether ourselves from like the traditional American dream that a lot of our parents had. You know, like suburban house, white picket fence, a Mercedes, and, and because some of our parents have gotten there, and we feel like, well, we grew up and we weren't satisfied, and so what else is there? And a lot of us have said, we don't need a really high-paying job. What we really need is to live out our passion, our dreams. We started untethering ourselves from these conditions and terms. And I think that's what Paul is saying. He's saying there is that kind of freedom in Jesus where you can pursue and run this race, have the goal in mind, and be untethered to everything else because he's satisfying you and because he is pushing you into your purpose. You know, today as we um, take communion and just kind of pray for each other, is there one more slide that I missed? I wish there was because I thought I put it up there. No, Ben, there's nothing. All right. So um, as we take communion today, I would love for us just to sit and say, God, help me. And it's really scary and uncomfortable, and it doesn't feel natural, but let me just sit with the needs and thirsts of my life. I hope that can be a discipline for you, um, because it, it will open up your heart to yourself. It will allow you to not just run in circles, chase after vanity. It will allow you to go to Jesus in a real way. All right, and so what are the things we want in our hands, but what is it that we really want? 
And how can we go to communion this morning saying, God, here's my thirst, here's my hunger, only you can satisfy me. And the second thing I want us to do is just to pray for each other, that in the groups that we shared with, we kind of do this opening question. For me, it's a primer to get us into small group to do this closing prayer, because that's what I really value, actually, um, in our service. One of my highest values is that we get to pray for each other. I, I wonder if we would just, in this like, place that's uncomfortable and kind of scary, to say, hey, this is what I'm really longing and thirsting for. And will we just kind of be honest with each other and ourselves and then pray for each other to say, God, would you satisfy that space in my heart? And will we confess that, man, I've been trying to fulfill this in all these other ways, and today I'm giving up on those things, and I really want you. All right, so I'll pray for us, and I would love for us to go back into our groups, just kind of share about those things that we long for. Um, and ask that God would satisfy them in this real way. Father, we come to you, and man, we want to be content. We don't want to live a life of greed. We don't want to live a life about us, our emptiness, and just trying to use things and people and accomplishments to uh, fill that hole. We want to live a life that's free, that's purposeful. But, you know... Um, grace is preceded, uh, need is preceded by grace. And so we just come to you needy today, God. We come to you thirsty. We come to you hungry. And um, yeah, as we pray for each other, would you um, open up our hearts, allow us to be vulnerable and share honestly. And I pray also that you would allow us to experience you, that as we bring our thirst to you in front of each other, that we would experience you satisfying us in this permanent way, in this way that isn't tethered to circumstance and externals, but is deep and is um, sustainable and um, doesn't leave us wanting. I just pray that this morning, for those of us who come to you hungry and thirsty, that we would leave um, satisfied. In Jesus' name.